Let me tell you about Rough Greens real quick. Rough Greens uh, for your dog. Uno has it every day. He's a different dog. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a free bag. Just call, um, what is it, 833-GLEN33. That's with two N's, 833-GLEN33. Or go to roughgreens.com slash Beck. Get a free small bag. It's just a little bag. Here it is right here. Uh, And you just try it with your dog. Just make sure that your dog will eat it. If your dog loves it as much as our dogs do, then order the bigger bag uh, and uh, and see the difference in your dog. It's roughgreens.com slash Beck. Get it now. Free bag. Just pay for shipping and handling. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. Welcome to Monday. I have been looking at a story all weekend, a little perplexed. Uh, It is the uh, story of the largest gasoline pipeline in the country that was shut down by cyber hackers on Friday. It's still down and it's dramatically going to affect gas prices, especially over the Labor Day weekend. Here's, Here's the... Part of the story I'm confused by, the journalists seem to care about the price of gasoline for the first time. And is it because they actually care or is it because they're trying not to focus on the fact that this was an attack most likely from Russia? And it isn't the first cyber attack from Russia of the year. I want to get into that just a little bit. Maybe we should be paying attention to Vladimir Putin. We go there in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. One of the things you should value most in your life is peace of mind, and it is hard to come by. But when you have it, it's a good feeling. For over two decades, American Financing has been helping people just like you find financial peace of mind, helping you do whatever it is you need to do, like lowering your rate, paying off your debt, or financing a new home. Guiding you through straightforward mortgage experience without any pressure. There's no upfront fees. There's nothing to worry about. It's peace of mind. And if you're going to get a loan, if you think you might want to refi or uh, make a consolidation loan or you're in the market for a, a new home, now is the time to do it. Credit is going to become a lot harder to come by soon. Saving money in the best of times is a great idea. Saving money in the not so best of times is even a better idea. Call American Financing now at 800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I want to start with this. The largest gasoline pipeline in the country was shut down on Friday.
It was a sophisticated ransomware attack, which experts are calling the most dramatic cyber attack on U.S. soil to date. So this happened on Friday. The most dramatic cyber attack on U.S. soil to date, specifically targeting our infrastructure. The story goes on to say the president was alerted on Saturday. Was he was he in nappy nap time? Where the hell? What happened? What, what do you mean? He was alerted on Saturday. A massive cyber attack happened on Friday. The president was briefed on it and told of it on Saturday. There's a little thing that maybe I, I think maybe we should probably look into. There's a question for the press to ask. Why the delay? There are now fears of major spikes in gas, oil, and diesel prices after, quote, the jugular of the U.S. fuel pipeline system is forced to suspend operations. It's called the jugular. Unless we sort it out by Tuesday, that's tomorrow, they're in big trouble. The first areas to be impacted would be Atlanta and Tennessee. Then the domino effect goes up to New York. He said oil future traders are now scrambling to meet the demand at a time when U.S. inventories are declining and demand, especially for fuel for cars, is on the rise as consumers return to the roads and the economy recovers. President Biden briefed on the situation on Saturday with one energy expert telling Politico it's the most significant and successful attack on energy infrastructure that we know of in the United States. The hackers are likely a professional cyber criminal group and a group dubbed Darkside. Darkside is among the potential suspects, according to two government agencies. The uh, Bloomberg News cited people familiar with the matter reported late on Saturday that the hackers are part of Darkside and it took nearly 100 gigabytes of data out of Colonial's network. That's the pipeline on Thursday ahead of the pipeline shutdown. Darkside is known for deploying ransomware and extorting victims while avoiding targets in post-Soviet states. It is believed to be based in Russia. So when you read that it is a cyber attack in Eastern Europe, I would say, yeah, you know, mainly focused around the Crimea area. Eastern Europe. This is killing me, Stu. It's killing me. (laughs) What was it that... What was it that Putin said two years ago that World War Three would be fought? How do you remember? Well, he th- I think he didn't even say it. World War Three will be fought. Didn't he say it's already started? Um, it's already started and the West doesn't know it. And it'll be fought. How uh, digitally. Right. I can't remember the exact yeah, term. Ones, he, he said ones, ones and zeros. And zeros. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. It'll be. F- yep. Ones and zeros. Mm-hmm. We are in a war, by the way. So the the pipeline uh, going down. That's not the only one that has happened now. Less, less we forget uh, the three, th- three. I'm sorry, thirty thousand U.S. victims, small businesses, and local governments that it, that were hacked by cyber es- uh, espionage unit backed by the Chinese government in January of this year. 
Hackers focused on stealing emails from victim organizations by exploiting flaws in the Microsoft Exchange server, widely used by corporate companies, large companies, and organizations. Since January, Chinese-backed hackers have used four flaws in Microsoft software to gain control of the email servers of organizations around the world. There is an Axis power. It is Russia and China. Russia and China. By the way, who is also aligned with Russia and China? Iran. Huh. Wow. This is weird. By the way, the um, attackers on solar winds. China was involved with the um, Microsoft, but also solar winds kind of connected. Also, the solar winds thing, it appears that was a Russian hack. Over the weekend, I read a story. Experts puzzle over Biden's push to re-enter nuclear deal with hostile Iran. What makes me concerned, says a Middle East expert, what makes me concerned is that we're trying to find a diplomatic solution with a non-diplomatic partner. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, oh, really? They, they're not interested in diplomacy? They just want to destroy the United States? So, you know, as we are supposedly negotiating with them, this last weekend, just before Ali Khamenei, the new, I don't know, Grand Vizier or whatever the hell he is, um, the head of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, uh, he is, uh, he's about to speak right before that. And now here's a nice little video from the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. And it shows them marching towards the U.S. Capitol. Uh, and then it shows the U.S. Capitol Dome exploding. Now, the Grand Vizier. What? <laughs> Here's the wizard. And the wizard gets up and says all kinds of anti-American stuff. And we're negotiating with them? Can we just start uh, identifying our enemies, please? Can we? I mean, I think it's... I think it's way high time that we identify china is an enemy of ours it's not a friend of ours well actually it is a kind of a dating service i don't know if you know this Stu, did you uh do you see what happened with hunter biden now uh, some new information has been uh has been leaked out about the uh i i hate to say soft and hardware uh <laughs> on uh you know his anyway mm -hmm. um apparently uh, uh, in his emails, he had a close relationship with a Chinese-American secretary mm. who worked for him when he went into business with the man he called the spy chief of China. That Those are, those are Hunter Biden's words. I, I'm working now with the spy chief of China. The mysterious young assistant wrote the president's son flirty messages sent him opposition research for Joe Biden's White House run and encouraged him to draw funds from the company's accounts when the joint venture collapsed and even ended up, she did, with Hunter's military dog tags. Now, I wear dog tags. I don't know if you can. I wear dog tags. I can't tell you how many times I've left my dog tags 
at my hot secretary's apartment. Oh, right. Yeah, Stu, that happens been, to you yeah. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if it happened to me once, it's happened a million times. Yeah. You know what I Seven mean? Seven times for me just last week. I, I, yeah, just, just last, last week. week. Yep. Seven different Even secretaries. Even on Mother's Day. Seven di- different Chinese-American <laughs> secretaries. Really? Yeah, that I just yeah. had met, and they all applied in, uh, in close uh, you know, conjunction there, which was kind of strange. Mm-hmm. You know, got mm-hmm. a lot of applications. Uh, hired yeah. them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was, uh, you know, I had a secretary that was working for Alexander Dugan, and uh, and I thought there's nothing to worry about there. I mean, that's that's a that's a you know, sure she has that on her resume, but we all have worked for Alexander Dugan one time or another. You know, nothing to worry about there. No, there. No. And I was leaving her dog tags after uh, leaving my dog tags after uh, a active. Uh, sleep session over at her mm. house. We yeah, had a right. slumber party yep. because it was so late. We were working so very late. And she said, you know, you should just embezzle money from your company. Mm. And I thought, you know, coming from her who worked for Alexander Dugan, that could be used as blackmail. Mm-hmm. And so could my dog tags. Um, but uh, I didn't worry about it. I don't think I have anything to worry about. Do you? Oh, I, I absolutely don't think so. Although I will say there is a difference between your situation, uh, you know, where you were in the dog tags and dropping them off to Chinese secretaries and Hunter's yeah. situation, which is. Uh, uh-huh. his, his was not, his were not dog tags. His were his doggy chain necklace. You should notice that's what she was calling it in the emails. His doggy his chain necklace. Doggy necklace. chain necklace. <laughs> ah. So. Ah. It's, uh, <sighs> I leave those everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. I mean, I just left them in a 7-Eleven just the other day. Mm-hmm. Your doggy like, chain necklace? I, gotta take the, I have to take my doggy chain necklace off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, uh, so anyway. Hey, by the way. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. Chinese military scientists uh, were discussing weaponizing SARS coronavirus in a document obtained by the U.S. government. Now, this isn't Gateway Pundit or anything. This is Bloomberg. Scientists in the Chinese military discuss weaponizing coronaviruses in the document obtained by the United States government, where they discuss their ideas about using biological weapons to win a third world war. Apparently, the document written by the People's Liberation Army scientists and senior Chinese public health officials in 2015 was obtained by the U.S. State Department as it conducted an investigation into the origins of COVID-19. The paper describes coronaviruses as heralding a new era of genetic weapons, says they can be artificially manipulated into an emerging human disease virus and then weaponized and unleashed in a way never before seen. What they were trying to do was to collapse the enemy's health care system. Now, uh, the story goes on, uh, and you, you would ask yourself, gee, when did we have this information? I mean, they wrote it in 2015. When did we get it? Well, first of all, let me just say this. There's no evidence that they did any of this. They're just talking about it. You know, it's like a lot of these Marxists in universities. They're not, they're, they're not plotting a revolution. They're just talking about a revolution, okay? Um, by the way, this, um, this, this document was circulated inside the State Department in 2020. 
It was part of an internal file, but most of that file was never made public for a variety of reasons, including that the Chinese government was blackmailing the State Department to shut up or they wouldn't give us our PPE masks. Does that maybe start to make sense on why Genovirus, why everybody all of a sudden in the media was like, we shouldn't talk about China. How dare you talk about China? Because their friends in the State Department are like, oh, he can't tell you. Kind of important, maybe, that we know that the Chinese were discussing this. It may not be what happened, but they were talking about developing a coronavirus and then unleashing it to collapse the enemy's healthcare system. Gee, almost exactly what almost happened. No, uh-uh. don't worry about that. Just leave your dog tags on another table. Let's not talk about China. Let's not talk about who actually crashed the jugular of our oil pipelines. I don't want war, but I got news for you. With the CIA playing footsie with, hey, you're transgendered. We want you. Okay, well, if we're infiltrating something where that person has experience and will fit in, great. How about we just look for spies that are good at their job and don't have anxiety disorders? I mean, there's nobody worse in the CIA than somebody with an anxiety disorder. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can do it now. Now that we're here, I don't know. Stop it. Can we maybe get some people that don't look at the United States as the enemy? Because this Biden administration is doing the job for our enemies. All right, let me tell you about Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is uh, the phone company that will give you a better rate, give you better customer service, uh, has, I think, the biggest footprint now. Uh, in uh, in the United States, the broadest nationwide coverage uses the same cell towers as everybody else. Hey, but doesn't give money to Planned Parenthood. Huh, I think that's pretty good. You know, if you have Verizon, that's where your money is going. Yeah, it's going to uh, people in, in Verizon and Verizon then takes a big punt, punt, chunk of their money and gives it to things like anti Second Amendment or or uh, uh, excuse me. Excuse me, my allergies are like crazy. Um, gives it to anti-Second Amendment or, you know, hey, let's let's get some. Uh, what what did, what are we, what are moms called now? Uh, birthing vessels. Yeah, I think it's something, something about birthing, which is just a, birthing a persons. I think more wonderful yeah. word. Yeah. Yeah. So birthing persons can come in and not birth, but kill their baby. Thanks, Verizon. I'd like to say to Verizon, can you hear me now? I would like to cancel my subscription if I had one with Verizon wasn't already with Patriot Mobile. May I suggest you do that and switch today? Send a very clear message as you're on a phone that can send very clear messages through Patriot Mobile. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. Switch now. 10 seconds station ID.
Well, I still, I, I don't even know how to explain this one to my wife, but I left my dog tags on the table of a hooker's house. Mm. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I was there for, you know, just, you know, regular business purposes. Uh, she was my secretary for a couple of hours and, uh, I just don't know how to You hire your secretaries mm-hmm. by the hour. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, do, do sometimes use... if it's late at night mm-hmm. on the weekends, do you, you know, use your main or offices or day. do you, do you rent a temporary office of some sort? Sometimes it's a temporary office mm-hmm. of some sort, mm-hmm. you know, some place that I could rent by the hour. Okay. You know, like near the yeah. highway, maybe an airport near the highway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, usually it, usually it's a place that guarantees they have a color TV, you know, <laughs> you know, I get so excited. Like, wow, we know wow. we're in the lap of luxury. They've got a color yeah. TV, color, color TV. Wow. There. Yeah. 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 Well, that's just the life I lead, you know? Yeah. So this anyway. is, this is it. This is you. You're, 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 I mean, you're living the jet setting life. Uh, hey, and you know you can't look. You've been successful. Yeah. Not nothing to do right. with your, your your dad. You know, was vice president of the United States. But you know yeah. that's that might be why some of these things come to you. At least some people would say that. Yeah. But I think you've well, just worked hard. I, <laughs> <laughs> I've worked very hard, yeah. very hard. You know, uh, I had to fly all the way to China to get that that deal that even Goldman Sachs was never offered. You know, from right? The mm-hmm. Chinese Communist Bank. Uh, they offered it to me because they just saw something in me, you know, might have been my secretary. She saw some things in me and maybe she passed it on to some other people that, you know, she's connected with. She saw lots of things um, about you. And, uh, <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, I don't think you want to really go into detail. I feel bad for, you know, Fang Fang and Jang Jang or whatever her name is. I feel bad for these. I mean. Imagine being over in China and like, you're going to America. Yay! And you got to sleep with this guy. What? Oh, come on. Put me in the... Come on. I'm a Uyghur. Really? Seriously? I've, I've all of a sudden become a Uyghur. I believe everything that they believe. Whatever it is they believe. I'm a Uyghur. Did you know that? Don't send me to Hunter Biden. Please. Don't. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know how somebody's always getting the drop on you when you least expect it, you know, tying you to a chair, making you eat a candy bar. <laughs> Ask my wife and kids, man. It happens to me all the time, all the time. I'm like, I'm home. And they're like, you got chocolate on your face, dad. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, I was kidnapped. Anyway, uh, one of the reasons I eat uh, built bars is because I want to be healthy and strong enough to fight those guys off that are always force feeding me chocolate. And the good thing is, Built Bars are made with 100% real chocolate. They're low in calorie, low carb. They're also high in fiber, protein. In other words, I guess they're good for you. And they're delicious at the same time. Amazing flavors. New ones coming out all the time. In all seriousness, I would never eat these things as described. They're described as a protein bar. Why do that? It's real chocolate. It's a candy bar. It just happens to be healthy for you. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code BEC15 and save 15% off your next order. BuiltBar.com. Promo code BEC15. And head over to BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. You'll save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV.
This is the Glenn Beck Program. I want to introduce a uh, friend of the program and a friend of mine, Dave Isay. He is the founder of StoryCorps. StoryCorps is this uh, really cool thing that started years ago, collecting stories uh, of Americans, and then they are kept at the National Archives, so we are able to preserve the voices of today. And there's some amazing moments that happen. He has been uh, he's been working on uh, not only uh, StoryCorps, <clears throat> but he has also um, been working on one small step, which is bringing people of different ideologies together and letting them find their way to each other. And it's it's an amazing healing kind of thing that's going on. We were supposed to have him on a Friday because of uh, the buildup to Mother's Day, but I thought, you know, we can still use some good news. So, Dave, I say welcome to the program. How are you? Glenn, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so, um, how was your Mother's Day, first of all? It was great. Thanks. Yeah. No, my uh, we um, my mom is uh, thankfully still alive, and uh, we mm-hmm. celebrated with her and with my my wife and my kids. So we had a, we had a great day. And how about you? Uh, good. Uh, I know a, a year ago we were talking about your your son being very very sick, uh, and uh, you know, grandma uh, saying you know giving kind of some hope there. Um, yeah. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's fine. Yeah, my kid had a, a long haul case of COVID. Uh, he was yeah. one of the earliest uh, people diagnosed, but he um, he's fine now. So thanks for asking. He's doing good. Okay, so um, we went out here in Texas. Everything is so different around the country. We went out yesterday, and nobody was wearing a mask, and it was almost back to normal. I know. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Wednesday of this week that New York opens up, and still people are you know, a little bit in a panic about it. We're handling this really differently all across the country. Yeah, absolutely. So Dave, um, why don't you share with us the uh, mom's Q and a set this up for us, will you? Sure. Um, So we'll we'll share a couple of stories, Glenn. And, and, you know, again, it's always great to be on and I, I appreciate how deeply you believe in uh, StoryCorps and one, and one small step. And as you said, you know, StoryCorps is families coming together, everyday people to talk about their lives. And one small step is a new project that we've developed partly in partnership with you uh, that deals with the issue of um, the toxic uh, polarization in this country. But we're going to listen to a standard yeah. StoryCorps story. Um, and, you know, it's OK to stretch out, like you said, Mother's Day for one more day. Um, yeah. I think we're going to start with... Um, this is this is an interview between a mom and her uh, and her son. He actually brought her to a StoryCorps booth. We have these booths all across the country, um, and he was 12 years old at the time. His name is Josh Littman, and he has Asperger's syndrome, which, as you know, everybody mm-hmm. knows at this point, a form of autism, where um, where people can come across as eccentric um, and often develop obsessions. You know, a lot of times in New York City. Uh, a lot of kids who have Asperger's develop obsessions with the subways, for instance. Um, mm. In Josh's case, it's animals. Um, and he came to StoryCorps with his own questions. Usually people use the kind of standard StoryCorps questions to ask. He came with his own questions um, to uh, talk to his mom. And you'll notice actually an interesting thing. He was born in England um, and he moved to the United States when he was one, but he still has a British accent, which is one of the That's things weird. that um, kids kids with Asperger's, yeah, um, often hold huh. on to accents. 
Um, so let's listen to um, Josh Littman, uh, who, again, who has an obsession with animals, interviewing his mom, um, Sarah, at StoryCorps. From a scale of 1 to 10, do you think your life would be different without animals? I think it would be an 8 without animals because they add so much pleasure to life. How else do you think your life would be different without them? I could do without things like cockroaches and snakes. Well, I'm okay with snakes as long as they're not venomous or like can constrict you or anything. Yeah, I'm not a big snake person. But cockroach is just the insect we love to hate. Yeah, it really is. Have you ever felt like life is hopeless? Um, when I was a teenager, I was very depressed. And I think that can be quite common with teenagers who think a lot, you know, and are perceptive. Am I like that? You were very much like that. Do you have any mortal enemies? I would say my worst enemy is sometimes myself. But I, I don't think I have any mortal enemies. Have you ever lied to me? Hmm. I probably have, but I try not to lie to you, even though sometimes the questions you ask make me uncomfortable. Like when we go on our walks, some of the questions I might ask. Yeah, but you know what? I feel it's really special that you and I can have those kind of talks, even if sometimes I feel myself blushing a little bit. Have you ever thought you couldn't cope with having a child? <laughs> I remember when you were a baby, you had really bad colic, so you would just cry and cry. And What's I didn't colic? It's when you get this stomach ache and all you do is scream for like four hours Even a night. Even louder than Amy does. You were pretty loud, but Amy's was more high-pitched. I think it feels like everyone seems to like Amy more, like she's like the perfect little angel. Well, I can understand why you think that people like Amy more. And I'm not saying it's because of your Asperger's syndrome, but being friendly comes easily to Amy. Whereas I think for you, it's more difficult. But the yeah, people who like, take the time to get to know you love you so much. Like Ben or Eric or Carlos. Yeah. and Like I have better quality friends, but less quantity. I, would, I wouldn't judge the quality, but I think... I mean, like, first day is like, Amy loved Claudia, then she hated Claudia, she loved Claudia, yeah, part, then you she know what, hated part of, Claudia. Part of that's a girl thing, honey. The important thing for you is that you have a few very good friends. And really, that's what you need in life. Did I turn out to be the son you wanted when I was born? Like, did I meet your expectations? And oh, my God. You've exceeded my expectations, sweetie. Because, you know, sure, you have these fantasies of what your child's going to be like, but you have made me grow so much as a parent because you think... Well, I was the one who made you a parent. You were the one who made me a parent. That's a good point. But also, because you think differently from, you know, what they tell you in the parenting books... Yeah. I really had to learn to think out of the box with you. And it's made me much more creative as a parent and as a person. And I'll always thank you for that. And that helped that. when Amy was born. And that helped with Amy was born. But you were just so incredibly special to me. And I'm so lucky to have you as my son. That is such an amazing, frank conversation that you just don't. It's, it's, it's weird. It's, you're listening to a very personal conversation. With a very well, tough kid. <laughs> yeah. He had some that's tough right, questions. You, you Great. On, on, on real life, you know, and, and again, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before, but what I like to think StoryCorps does is just shake us on the shoulder and remind us what's important because we're stuck in Boy. so much nonsense, Glenn, and we've talked about this before. I just want, she told me a story that um, Sarah had a column in a newspaper in Connecticut on education. Um, and she's very liberal. Uh, and after that story aired, someone wrote her a note and said, you know, I've read your column for years. 
and I haven't agreed with a single word you've written, but after hearing this, I realized that we agree on um, all of the most important things in life. You know, yeah. and that's and that's really what what one small step this this effort under StoryCorps that you and I are working on together um, is just trying to remind us about. You know, this this I know it's Monday morning, and like who no, wants I to think like this jump is... right back into the misery of of where we are in the country, uh, right? But, um, you know, more than half of Americans say the greatest threat to this country comes from our fellow citizens. You know, we've gone from disagreeing with one another to hating one another. We can't, we can't, you know, we can't remember why we like each other or why we live in the same country anymore. You know, I have to disagree. I I don't think it comes from, I don't think it comes from our fellow citizens. I think it comes from us. You know, it it is, it's not, we, we have to stop thinking about the greatest threat coming from our fellow citizens and start thinking about coming from us. We are all one. And yeah. one way or another, no matter which side you're on, we're do- in many ways we're doing the same things to each other. We're we're demonizing uh, one another and and not pausing. I mean, I think COVID helped me and my family out a great deal. We learned so much about us as a family. We are a much stronger family than we were a year ago. And I don't know if you know this about me, Dave, but I'm a I'm a painter, and I have been. Uh, I've uh, been painting these these different heroes of our past, and one of them is Lou Gehrig, and um, yeah. I call it uh, Lucky with an asterisk because the actual yeah. name of the title the title of the painting is Grateful, because as yeah. I'm painting these people, I I really I listen to their words. If anything was recorded, I try to get to know them, and uh, as I was painting Lou Gehrig, I thought, here's a guy who as he's he knows it's a death sentence he's going to be dead in two years and he gets up to the microphone he says i feel like the luckiest man in the world that's gratitude for what you have instead of focusing on what you don't have and we've lost that entirely yep yep it's it's um and and you know, things are not going in the right direction. You know, I've been, I, I've done StoryCorps for all these years and, you know, it's families talking to each other and it's incredibly successful, but I'm obsessed with this, with one small step with this across the divides piece, because, and I know, you know, you and I have had a lot of on, you know, face to face and also kind of behind the scenes communication. I know you're worried about mm-hmm. this as well, that, you know, this, this is this, this kind of intractable conflict, the high conflict that we're seeing, in the country is an existential threat. Um, and you know, it's easy again on the Monday morning after mother's day, I don't want to think about it. You don't want to think about it, but it's there and we have to deal with it. Um, and you know, I was, the the crazy thing about it is your audience, you and your audience, I mean, you could single-handedly, uh, the, your audience could, could, you know, set us on the road to fixing this problem. It's a massive audience. Um, I, I, I really believe that, you know, and, and we just we have got to take the first step towards, you know, recognizing that the people we disagree with, you know, that we have to, you know, not treat them um, uh, with contempt, but just um, see them as human beings. Arguing is not a problem. It's when we start to see each other as uh, less than human. And it's easy to do that. So the StoryCorps, what we're doing with StoryCorps with, with One Small Step is putting people across the divides together just to talk to each other, just like Sarah Littman would talk to the guy who read her column about their mm-hmm. lives, just to remind us, you know, it's not everything. It's just one small step just to remind us that 
God, we share so much more in common than divides us when you get down to it. How can people get involved? What can they do? So, um, so um, we have, if you go to takeonesmallstep.org, and again, I hope everybody listening will do this, takeonesmallstep.org. And um, you sign up for newsletter, and you can also sign up to be a part of One Small Step, where we will um, partner you with someone across the political divides. You take a quick, um, you take you you fill out a quick survey. Uh, there, you know, there's no, it's completely safe. Everything is um, locked down, and and um, there's no risk whatsoever. And we put you for 50 minutes to have a conversation with someone different than you. And again, like, look, this is just it, it is just one small step uh, away from this abyss. But the only thing we know for sure is that if we don't start dealing with this problem of hating each other, um, things are just going to get worse. So you go to the website, take one small step dot org, sign up, fill out a questionnaire. And as soon as we can, we'll match you with someone across the divides and you have that conversation. And more than that, just um, talk to people uh, around you, post post it on Facebook, let people know, you know, the idea of social norming. If people can see that, like what's normal is to treat each other with respect, not to treat each other with contempt, that kind of that that kind of um, uh, norming can spread like what like a virus, like wildfire, a good virus, you know, and remind us that. this is not okay. And, you know, uh, uh, like you said about Luke Eric, that we can focus on, on who we are as our, at, at our best. You know, we live in a country now that is unforgiving, um, that um, no, none of us are, all of us are the worst things we've ever done. Um, uh, and it uh, doesn't, doesn't, you know, if, if, we, if we can't, you know, see the best in, in others, if we can't yeah. recognize the best in others, we're just in deep, deep trouble. I just did a podcast with Jordan Peterson last Thursday, and uh, I was re-listening to it again today. And most of that conversation is about that. Uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. he's deeply, deeply concerned about what we're going through as well as uh, you and I are. Thank you so much, Dave. I appreciate it. Um, uh, Takeonesmallstep.org is the uh, address. Dave, we'll talk again soon. Thank you. There is so much negativity out there right now. Let me give you something positive to think about. Buying and selling a home. Yes, it's a hassle. If you're about to do one or the other, you might feel like it's a huge mountain of responsibility resting firmly on your shoulders. You make a mistake and it could cost you big time. Where is the good news here? Real estate agents, don't roll the dice. Realestateagentsitrust.com. You could get Lenny from across the street who does, you know, real estate between shifts at his used cell phone kiosk down at the mall, or you can get the best one in your area. We look for the people who have the best practices. They know how to advertise your home. They already have a lot of people coming to their website. They have the track record. And most of them are listeners of the program, so they kind of think alike. You know, we're all different, but we're kind of in the same boat, and uh, they know what you're looking for. You can explain it to them, and they'll help you find that right house, or they'll help you sell your home. Realestateagentsitrust.com. For both ends, buying and selling, if you're moving to different towns or different states, realestateagentsitrust.com. A free service to you. The Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. It is Monday. 
We have, um, I have a really great story to share with you. Hopefully I'll be, I'll be able to get it, uh, get it to you uh, next hour. We, we also have a few other things that we, we have to get to um, on jobs and the economy, things you need to prepare for. But um, I just read an op-ed um, this morning uh, from somebody whose kids are in an elite school in Manhattan, and they're conservative. And it's like the only conservative in the school. And all these parents are coming up saying, I'm concerned about the woke radicals in the school. And they're all complaining to him. And his response is, is remarkable. And I think as parents, we need to hear from some people who are actually leading uh, the fight. Uh, and his perspective is one I have not heard before. I'm going to share it coming up in just a few minutes. I want to talk to you a little bit about our sponsor this half hour. Sponsor is, um, uh, hang on just a second. I got it. I got it. It's American Financing. I mean, how great is that? American Financing. Uh, American Financing is there for you if you're looking for a mortgage, you're looking for a refi. Have you considered consolidating all of your high interest loans? Credit is going to get tougher and tougher to get soon. Please. If you need a loan, if you need to refinance and refinance into these low locked in rates, you want to consolidate, get out of that high interest debt. If they raise the rates uh, on your debt, you're never, ever going to be able to pay it off. So please consider American financing today. Call them today. 800-906-2440, or AmericanFinancing.net. All right. Hour number two of the program begins in just a minute. Stand by. Fifteen seconds. America, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. It is Monday, and we're going to start it off right. We're going to talk a little bit about the woke culture, but we have a couple of good signs that are happening in the woke culture, and we're going to start there in 60 seconds. Stand by. The Glenn Beck program. Then, then we'll get to the then we'll get to the economy. Oof. All right, let me tell you about Rectech. Rectech is a grill that is just fantastic. It's a grill. It's a smoker. It is an oven. It'll bake everything. It'll do really pretty much anything, and it's unlike anything I've ever seen. This this was, you know, those people that go around and they you know do the barbecue contests. Uh, that's who designed this. This was a group of guys who were like, we need a better grill, and they built it so they could haul it around the, the entire country. And then people started seeing it. They go, where can I get one of those? So they started building it. 
Now you can get one. They are far superior to anything that you will find on the market, and it will hold a constant temperature. You can remote start it. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's just fantastic. It really is. And there's kind of a community of the people who uh, do this. And so they have a Rectech social media, which gives you all kinds of really great recipes and everything else. Find Rectech on uh, social media. Find Rectech and AB. Compare them to whatever grill you might be looking at. Uh, compare Rectech with a Q. R-E-C-T-E-Q dot com. That's where you'll find them. Rectech dot com. All right, let's start with uh, let's start with Roger Daltrey, who was with the Who, uh, kind of a big rebel. I mean, the Who was they were a rebellious band. Uh, I don't know when rock and roll went soft and lost its its real roots of rebellion, but apparently. Daltrey hasn't. This is from a um, podcast from Apple Music, an interview with uh, DJ Zane Lowe. Listen. It's becoming so absurd now with AI doing all the tricks it can do and the woke generation. It's terrifying the the, the miserable world they're going to create for themselves. I mean, anyone who's lived a life and you see what they're doing, you just know that it's a route to nowhere, especially when you've lived through the periods of of a life that we... We've had the privilege to. I mean, we've had the golden era. There's no doubt about that. But we came out of a war. We came out of a leveled society, completely flattened bomb sites and everything. And we, we built that. We've been through socialist governments. We've seen the communist system fail in, in, in the Soviet Union. They've been in the, I've been in those communist countries while they were communists. I've seen how <laughs> wonderful, really, it was. <laughs> So he's obviously gone off the deep end, Stu. I'm really concerned about his mental health because that's crazy talk. Yeah, you're from a madman. You don't talk about the woke generation in that way. Uh, these are not, the not, not up to Apple Music. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> quick, buy all the vinyl of The Who you possibly can and of Roger Daltrey because it might get scarce soon. Not to say that anybody would cancel anybody, because we know that wouldn't uh, ever happen. Well, cancel culture isn't real, Glenn. You should know that. Yes, thank you. It's well, not- no, it is. Clyburn said it is. Clyburn said it is. Here's here's Congressman Clyburn on cancel culture. That's exactly what it's about. You know, uh, I don't agree with Liz on much politically, uh, but, you know, that's how we grow as a country. This whole thing that everybody it ought to be marching in lockstep. That is what leads people to destruction. People ought to have a diversity of thought. Diversity is very, very important. We want to limit it uh, to gender and sometimes to race. It is also about thought. And I want to see a strong Republican Party. My parents were Republicans, and I would love to see this party honor them. But this party, Republican Party today, is showing so much dishonor uh, to the people who made it possible. The people who down from Abraham Lincoln kept this party alive on the basis of anti-slavery, uh, which itself was a big lie, and now they're perpetuating it. Now, they talk a lot about <laughs> cancel culture. This is the classic cancel culture. They are perpetrating 
that which they uh, argue that they are against. Okay, stop. <laughs> so you go into it thinking, I, I, how am I agreeing? Then the shoe falls, and you're like, he's talking about how the Republicans are behind cancel culture. Mm. And they're the ones, because of this Liz Cheney thing, um, she can go find another job. She can. She's not well, she's canceled. Still, she got she's elected. Still, yeah, she's still right, there. She still holds her office. <laughs> she's still just not. Leadership. how is this cancel culture this is a party saying you're out of step with our party um whether she is or not that's for the party to decide and if you don't if you want to be a part of the party then join the party and make those decisions you don't get out and leave them do their own thing there is uh but there is something interesting probably not worth hitting on but it is odd that you'd throw out someone who voted with Trump 93% of the time for someone who voted for Trump 78% of the time and say it's a move toward... Yeah. That's a totally different situation, but it is a little strange. Yeah. I think the problem... My problem with uh, Liz Cheney Mm -hmm. is that she was, um, I think, underhanded. She was part of this, you know, uh, movement behind the scenes. Um, Her votes are fine. Fine with me. I don't care. Yeah, no, it's just, it's interesting who they're, I don't know. I mean, people get very, you know, a lot of people get, I think, tied up in the personalities involved in these situations. And it's like, well, it's interesting who the Republican Party is deciding to replace Cheney with. I mean, it's just like, okay, she doesn't seem to be very much in line with Trump or hardcore conservatism in any way. So we're going to take out someone who's voting with that Trump, ninety three percent of the time, and and someone who's in her last year in Congress, sixty seven percent of the time voted voted with Trump, and they're going to put I her in think leadership. That's exactly what Republicans do. I know, I, and no one oh, seems yeah, to be exactly noticing it. Uh, anyway, yeah, I know. it's a totally separate situation. I mean, this is yeah. be, this is going everywhere now. Uh, the 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 cancel culture thing, and it's interesting that it's become such an issue, and it's so universally sort of despised. That the two answers to it from the left are, one, it doesn't exist. They just claim it doesn't mm-hmm. exist when, right. when, when you bring up a, you know, clear-cut examples. And number two, that actually it does exist, but they're the victims of it, right? Like Andrew Cuomo <laughs> tried to roll this it. out, too. I know. I love it. It's like, I oh, love it. yeah. Oh, I, let me I, show you. Hang a, on. Let me, let me show you an example of just freedom of thought that Clyburn is looking for. This is a, this is a, a woman, Azra Nomani. She is talking to the Fairfax School Board about the double standards in the pursuit of anti-racism. Listen what happens. And then by the fall, every single one of you voted to remove the merit-based race-blind admissions test to TJ. And we pled with you as Asians, as an immigrant. I came at the age of four. I knew no English. And you didn't listen to us. And now I sit here listening to this empty proclamations and declarations that you're making about your great value of Asian Americans. You tell us about you going Melanie Marin to Japanese restaurant. Well, do you know that just a few weeks ago in social emotional learning at TJ, our students were told that if they do salsa dancing, it amounts to cultural appropriation and that they needed to check their racism, and that is our mostly minority, mostly Asian students. And so your empty proclamations are just that. And then today, we get this vacuous survey from you, Dr. Brabrand, and you dare to tell us 
that you're going to consider removing the one policy that parents have to defend their students from indoctrination and activism, the policy that makes certain that anything taught in our school that is controversial must be presented fairly. You have to just think for yourself, if you have to remove a policy like that, how can you possibly be doing anything good? And then this survey, it's just a loaded survey. And who is it by? Indeed, New York Leadership Academy. And what has that survey done? They've asked us the questions for the Thank you for your time that you have now signed. Thank you for your time. That will allow Thank them you to for spend your time. Of your dollars. time is up, ma'am. You all Your time need is to up, ma'am. Your time has expired. Yes, you your always time has expired. Next speaker. Continue to Next shut us down. Speaker. Because that's what you love. Please go to your seat. Oh my gosh. Ugh. Oh my gosh. The arrogance of these people. Did you hear the disdain in her voice? Your time has expired. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, you can't ignore people like this. You cannot ignore people. You can't shut them down and treat them like garbage. It's not going to last. I fear, however, that's what they want. Now, let me give you a response to the woke culture and to all of the crap that is happening from these radical Marxists. And I'm not going to call them radical Marxists. The, I read an op-ed today, and it is from a great author uh, of a really, I think, important book. And he has his kid up in a very, very prominent, uh, snotty New York school that's very woke. And all of these snotty progressives are coming to him and going, I can't believe these Marxist radicals. What are we going to do? And he's like, he's like, you know, I'm tired. I'm, I'm the only conservative, you know. And so everybody's whining to me. And he wrote an op-ed about this. And I want you to hear it. We're going to share it with you in 60 seconds. Stand by. First, do you have a timeshare? Oh, golly. Golly. You know... I'm guessing that you would go through maybe a hundred of those timeshare seminars if they would say, and your free gift is you're out of the timeshare at the end. Uh, that would be a, that would be a, that would be a great one. Wouldn't it? You want out of your timeshare. There's a legal way out. Uh, and, and all you have to do is contact the attorneys. This is a firm of attorneys. This is not former timeshare, you know, I, my tie is my middle name, and, uh, you know, I help talk people into these things all the time. Well, I did before I realized how wrong it was. Now I'm going to call my my former colleagues, and I'm going to get you out of this. Uh-huh. How about an attorney? Get an attorney. Get a whole firm of attorneys that know exactly how to legally and permanently get you out 100% guaranteed. Well, I don't have that, but... I mean, I could possibly get you another Mai Tai. Call Timeshare Termination Team. TimeshareTerminationTeam.com. Their phone number is 888-GET-YOU-OUT. 888-GET-YOU-OUT. TimeshareTerminationTeam.com. Make sure you tell them that Glenn Beck sent you, because if you do, you'll get 20% off when you terminate your timeshare. So do that now. TimeshareTerminationTeam.com. 
Facebook.com. 10 seconds, station ID. I'm terrified of the woke radicals at my kid's school, end quote. Rarely a week goes by when I don't hear some variation on this gripe from fellow parents in New York City. Invariably, they lower their voices, lest prying ears catch them objecting to the official ideology. These are solidly liberal Manhattanites, mind you. They don't just want their children, uh, they don't, they just don't want their children being told they carry the unwashable stain of racial sin. And they'd really rather have their kids master real knowledge instead of being taught to meditate endlessly on their own race, gender, and sexuality. As their only out conservative that they know, I'm often the only person these parents can pour their anguish out to, and I am wearying of the job. I worry just as much about those rise of the woke as they do. Yet, I've come to view the ambient liberalism these New Yorkers take for granted as a big part of the problem. It doesn't suffice to overcome wokeness because it forms people to be selfish and self-maximizing to avoid deep commitments of any kind. Put another way, there's a reason these parents confine their gripes to the one conservative they know. At the end of the day, they're prepared to tolerate woke rule if it means passing on their elite status to their prodigy. If history of the 20th century totalitarianism uh, should have taught us anything, it's that radicals can usually get the better of such people <clears throat> by playing on their yearning to get ahead in life. <clears throat> Whereas the true dissidents and resistors those who refuse to profess that two plus two equals five draw strength from faith, from tradition, and from true authority. It's a message I've inscribed quite literally in my own son's identity by naming him after St. Maximilian Kolbe, one of the greatest Christian martyrs, in my opinion. <clears throat> Born to a pious family in central Poland in 1894, Colby joined the Franciscans at the age of 16. Following doctoral studies in Rome and ordination as a priest, Colby returned to his homeland where he started a newspaper, a radio station, a monastic community outside of Warsaw. He campaigned against communism and secularism and went to far-flung missions in the Far East. Then came the German invasion of Poland, and with it, Colby's greatest hour. In 1941, the Nazis arrested and sent him to Auschwitz. Father Maximilian Mary Colby became prisoner number 16670. One night in July, an inmate escaped from Colby's block. The camp deputy commandment, Carl Fritz, carried out his protocol for when inmates escaped. He just randomly selected 10 men to die of starvation as the collective punishment for the one escapee. Colby wasn't one of those chosen to die. But once the commandant pointed to one of the men, that man cried out, my wife, my children. That's when Colby stepped forward. Fritz said, what does this Polish pig want? Colby told him, I'd like to take his place because he has a wife and children. And so he did for a complete stranger in Auschwitz. 
The writer of this op-ed said, when I learned Colby's story, I decided to name my son after him. I was awestruck by how he climbed the summit of human freedom at Auschwitz of all places, and how he did this precisely by denying himself, by binding himself to the moral absolutes of his faith. We equate freedom with the mere ability to choose from the wildest range of options, unhindered by the authorities and restraints that guided traditional peoples. For the pre-modern traditions, not least the West classic and Christian heritage, freedom meant choosing what one ought to do. Freedom for the good, and that meant self-mastery above all. We, by contrast, seek self-gratification and well-being, usually defined in material utilitarian terms. In practice, our version of freedom leaves the modern subject confused. Every generation has to reinvent morality and swaying to the ideological winds. But to be bound to religious tradition and authorities as cold as is to have a moral backbone. The person who knows where he comes from and where he's headed won't easily bend along the way, and he is prepared to sacrifice even unto death. you as we prepared to sacrifice anything in resistance to our centuries totalitarians, are we prepared? The wokes, for all their absurdities, have moral vision for which they're prepared to make sacrifices. It's a twisted morality, to be sure, but it's more than their live-and-let-live opponents in the Upper East Side possesses. Unless we recover our deeper roots and bequeath what we find, tradition literally means handing on the wokes will win this was written by uh Sorab aman uh armari uh, he is the author of the uh, book the unbroken thread discovering the wisdom of tradition in the age of chaos it is well well worth uh the read uh because he's right we're afraid to stand up because we will lose our place. We might lose our material things. That will not stop any of this. We don't have a moral compass, it seems, anymore. One that is rooted in standing up because it's right, not for us per se, but for future generations, that's why we won World War II. We didn't go over there because we would receive punishment if we didn't. We, we went over there because we knew what was happening was wrong. For a long time, Americans stayed away from the fight. Stayed away until the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. Then... We wanted to fight totalitarianism. Well, the totalitarians are bombing our schools relentlessly with critical race theory. What will it take for us to stand up and have the moral conviction to say, I don't care what happens to me. I care about my country and my children's freedom. That's what's at stake here. Not our job, not our money but our children's freedom. 
This is the Glenn Beck Program. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. You know, if you're a, a homeowner, you're the type who's fiscally responsible. Right now, you could be a phone call away from a massive change for the better in your financial life. Mortgage rates have been going down for, I don't know, over a year. They continued to plummet month after month for a while to the point where it's not weird to see mortgage rates in the 2% range. I've never seen those in my lifetime. May I suggest I have seen 18 and 19% mortgage rates. I saw them in the Carter years. And this feels a little like Jimmy Carter years. May I highly recommend that if you want to refi or you want a consolidation loan, get out of those high interest credit cards. Credit is going to be very hard to come by in the near future. Call American Financing. AmericanFinancing.net. They're waiting to help you right now. 800-906-2440. AmericanFinancing.net. Stephen Crowder, Mark Levin, Glenn Beck, Pat Gray, Stu Does America, all available on Blaze TV. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Promo code is Glenn. Axios reported last week a job report for the ages. April could see more than 2 million jobs added. Reuters, U.S. economy likely created nearly a million jobs in April. CNBC, April jobs expected to top 1 million as consumers boost the economy. Market Watch, a million new jobs? That's how many Wall Streeters think the U.S. created in April. Barron's, get ready for a blockbuster jobs report of 1 million or more. New York Times, jobs report is expected to show a big gain. Live updates. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, it, uh, in fact, uh, uh, we, 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 um, we, 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 we didn't get job, uh, job growth. We, we actually lost some jobs. And so that's, um, that's, well, that's, a, we were well it, under it, it expectations. Was, there was still some growth, Glenn, but it was just, they just missed it by, you know, four or five times. That's all. I mean, it was, sure. That's not, right. is that a big deal? I mean, I mean, what, what, right. what's a few hundred thousand jobs among well, friends? It, it was uh, unemployment rate increased in April. Uh, it, it grew by a hundred thousand people. Uh, well, so it grew. It was 200. I thought it, they were expecting about a million new jobs and they got 225,000 uh, new jobs. Contrary to the bullish expectations, mm. the unemployment rate uh, actually mm. ticked up a tenth of a point to 6.1% in April. The economy did add 266,000 jobs, 266. far fewer mm. than the uh, the 770 revised number added in March and the 536 added in February. Uh, this, uh, this jobs report actually uh, is a job report of the ages. You know what this is, <laughs> is, the, um, you know, I was going to say it was... Uh, you know, a misfire. But this president wants us to look at this differently. Here's the audio of Joe Biden talking about the jobs report. This month's job numbers show we're on the right track. Shows that we, we stop, 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 stop. Stu, mm-hmm. 
Would you say that this jobs report shows that we're on the right track? Well, the, the track, has, as you mentioned, was what? Uh, increasing for, it was January, February, March, all increased. And then mm-hmm. we had a major drop off in April. So yeah. would you consider so, that? I would not. I would, <laughs> I would not consider that on the right track. We should I'd also say, point, uh, point out that, um, uh, that all of the job uh, gains were in the hospitality um areas ah, which again okay. you know look it's good to see we like to see that the restaurants are coming back a little bit and and hospitality is popping back that's Abs- good yeah um, that's good but i mean that we, doesn't that doesn't make things that we can sell to other people yeah i look the service industry yeah. is an important part of our economy no Very doubt important. but yeah. you know the fact that that you know mm-hmm. restaurants are opening up because restrictions are being lifted in certain areas but then it's we not have really po- yeah we have reactive ro- of policies from <laughs> Yeah, and then we have the minus minus jobs yeah. in all mm. of the other areas outside of hospitality. Yeah. Where we're actually losing mm. jobs. That's frightening. Yeah. And then you yeah. add on to the fact that we're in an era where we're spending multiple trillions of dollars to yeah, prop this economy up. Yeah, we haven't spent enough yet. You, you, you'll see. We haven't spent enough. That is but the, I, I want you to listen. So first of all, we're on the right track, according to this president. Uh, we're on the right track. And there's even more. This month's job numbers show we're on the right track. Mm-hmm. We still have a long mm-hmm. way to go. Mm-hmm. As I said, my laser focus is on growing laser the focus. nation's economy and creating jobs. Mm. My laser mm. focus is on vaccinating our nation. Oh. And we're making continued progress. My laser Wait. focus is on one more thing. Making what, sure one more working thing. people in this country, hardworking people are no longer left out in the cold. They're going to get a share of the benefits of a rising economy. It's been a long time since that happened. I call my plan like last president, the blue collar blueprint for America. Ah. That's exactly what it is. So Mm -hmm. let's not let up. We're still digging our way out of a very deep hole we were put in. No one should underestimate how tough this battle is. We still have a job to do here in Washington. All right. So, Stu, what, what, what was his laser focus again? Did he have three lasers or only one laser? I don't know. He, seemed, la- he had laser focus, I know, on, on, on COVID and, and vaccinations. COVID. Uh, yeah, yeah. His but his, also his laser focus is on equity. And equity, So obviously. We, we got that. Mm-hmm. We got Not that. equality. I, yeah. I don't know if he's a cyclops, so he only has one eye. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if so, his laser focus should move towards the economy because without the economy we really don't have anything mm. and you know there's some simple things he could do like uh hey cut the extra three hundred dollars uh from unemployment mm. that people are using as an excuse to not go back to work i mean i just i mean that's just that's i know it's crazy crazy we can call it an excuse all we want but people are making a pragmatic cost benefit analysis yes they are whether it's worth going somewhere for 40 hours a week to make less money i can't blame mm-hmm. them for saying that's a bad return on investment no no i mean we're being encouraged to stay home and you know they know exactly what they're doing the the chamber of commerce just came out and said uh can you cut that because uh after the jobs report i think it's pretty clear that's uh not the way to go yeah two states also, now have, um, uh, have are going to abandon it already and that's going to pass it's going to continue to pass especially in red states around the country yeah well red states lost fewer jobs uh red states are recovering faster 
and uh, will continue to lead the way and then be blamed for everything. Um, the uh, the other thing is that he missed on his laser focus was the uh, the cyber attack of the gasoline pipeline. Kind of a big deal, you know, seeing that it uh, is, what was it, 50 percent of the East's uh, gasoline and jet fuel. Just it was just, you know, somewhere between 40 and 60 percent. So it's not it's not even worth mentioning. Um, but uh, they say if they don't have this solved by Tuesday, uh, then it's going to really skyrocket uh, prices. But only in half of the country. And fortunately, it's the most populated half of the country. You take uh, up from the Louisiana-Texas border, and uh, if you're looking at the map, and you go right, yeah, you might have some problems with some oil and gas prices, maybe, you know, because there's going to be a shortage. But don't worry, it's not like the driving season starts in a couple of weeks, you know? Just drive half as far. If it's 50% of the gas, just drive half as far. These are they're easy solutions that we can common sense solutions. I don't know why people don't listen to you more often, Stu, (laughs) because that is really, really, really true. Here's the thing, Glad, and you walk me through this because you're the historian around here. You have all these artifacts. You get this whole museum right across uh, the walkway Mm -hmm. here. And um, my impression of the job of president of the United States was you needed to focus on multiple things at once. I didn't know no, not anymore. you came not in and kind of laser focused on one thing and let everything no. else go to crap. I didn't know that was the thing. No, it's you can't laser focus on just one thing. Uh, that That's the way it used to be. Uh, but now it's, you know, you need a nap at three o'clock. Take a nap, you know, after mm-hmm. dinner, which is at two. Uh, so to have some dinner, go to sleep. <laughs> Wake up maybe 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. Do you remember how many times they said that uh, Donald Trump is going to bed early? Oh, yeah. All he does he is watch TV, early. then he goes, goes to bed early. Yeah, yeah, he goes to bed. Uh, this guy, I think <laughs> I think at least Trump was watching the news. I think Biden, maybe at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, is watching Matlock mm-hmm. or Murder, She Wrote, right. and then going to bed. <laughs> you know I, what I mean? I have a, a 16-year-old pug. That his entire day is just sleeping, waking up, eating, going to the bathroom, going back to sleep. He's only up for, I think, legit an hour a day. That's it. If you combine all the the times he's actually up with his eyes open, you're at about an hour a day. And I think he's awake more than Joe Biden is. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let's pretend your dog was president of the United States. (laughs) Okay. And you're the chief of staff. Mm Mm-hmm. And I find out that Russia, that Russian hackers, for the second time in just a couple of months, <laughs> right. have now uh, given us a cyber attack where they cut, quote, the jugular mm-hmm. of our oil and gas supply to the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And it happens Friday, and we knew about the... You know, the 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 hack in on Thursday because they took so much data and now they're holding this pipeline hostage for ransom. And I come over to your house and Mm. I say, is President is President Miles available? (laughs) I've got some really they've just cut the jugular of the uh, oil pipeline. Well, and I think we need to meet. Here's the thing with Miles is uh-huh. he's mostly you mean Mr. president yes president miles he's yes. M- mostly uh blind 
and basically completely deaf. So if you try to wake him up, he's Uh always completely stunned. Like he's terrified. Whoa! Like if he's awake and he's facing away from you, he never hears you coming. So he always is, uh, uh, you know, scared and stunned and jolted every time. So a lot of times Mm. I don't. I try not to wake him up or try not to right. because I don't but want this to is scare the cutting him. Of the ju- this is the cutting of the jugular right. of gas so maybe, for the entire East Coast. But you don't want to jolt Joe Biden awake. Okay. You don't want to scare right. him. You don't want to, So maybe okay. wait a little while to tell him about this incredible international incident <laughs> that's ongoing. You know, okay, wait a so few days. you would give... The, you, you would say, wait until he's awake? Yeah. The like next wait day? until he's awake and you're in front right. of him. Don't walk from okay. behind him because then he'll be scared. Okay. But if you kind of All are right. already in front of him walking toward him, he'll see kind okay. of your shadow coming and then it'll be okay. Okay, so you would give, if your dog Miles was the president. <laughs> That's how I would handle You would give the same advice mm-hmm. that apparently was given to, you know, colonial the colonial oil pipeline people or or the NSA or anybody who should have seen this one coming. They knew about it on Friday. Mm-hmm. They didn't brief the president until Saturday. It's just a day. I mean, what could happen? You know, a day is a day. Like if the missiles are in the air, you just say, we'll let him know if one's coming here, maybe. But what are we going to do about it anyway? Look, Orlando used to be Orlando. It's no longer Orlando. He'll he'll have to reschedule a vacation. (laughs) But I mean, that's not urgent. (laughs) It is. It is insane. Mm -hmm. It's just insane. And every country that was afraid of us just recently they're now, they're like, hey, I don't know. Uh, they're negotiating with Iran. Let's set them on fire. Let's collapse their economy. Let's let's go ahead and uh, and just hack into all of their financial stuff and their military stuff and their energy stuff. We could shut them down within a week, and they're not going to do anything. Uh, maybe maybe we have a problem with our stance in the world. Maybe just a little bit. Seeing that Hunter Biden keeps losing his dog tags at his Chinese secretary's apartment. You mean his doggy uh, chain ne- necklace? Yeah. Yeah. It mm-hmm. might be for Miles. He might have been <laughs> getting something for President Miles. I'm not sure. <laughs> I want to tell you about Ann. She lives in Florida. She writes about her dog's experience with rough greens. She said our 65-pound Staffordshire. What is, what is a Staffordshire? Do you know? 65 pounds of a dog Mm. anyway been um has been able to stop taking allergy shots her spots have disappeared since adding rough greens to her food she has so much more energy she can't wait for her next meal we spent the last several years trying to find the best dry dry dog food due to her skin issues but she still needed the shots every 90 days rough greens has been a tremendous discovery thank you so much rough greens it is really miraculous and it's it's alive especially if you're feeding your dog dry food they need all of the live things you know the probiotics and all that stuff they need that um and you can't get it in a dry dog food so they they you sprinkle this up it's like a little for my dog at least it's a tablespoon and you put it on their food and they love it they love it now your dog may not love it and if your dog doesn't love it the last thing you need is to buy a big pack of uh, this stuff so they're going to send you a free package it's a uh, little as, I don't know, it's probably got 10 tablespoons in it, so five tablespoons in it. So you'll be able to feed your dog 
uh, put this on uh, his food or her food and see if they like it. If they like it, then go back and order a full bag of Rough Greens and watch over a couple of months. You're going to see changes in your dog you can't believe. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. That's roughgreens.com slash Beck. You are listening to the Glenn Beck Program. If you happen to listen to podcasts, make sure you subscribe to the Glenn Beck Program podcast wherever you get them. Also, let me uh, recommend you subscribe to Stu Does America, the podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about Disney going woke tonight. Uh, and it's amazing what's going on. Disney, this, you know, this service, this company that so many people have trusted to teach their kids and entertain their kids for all these years. Listen to what they're teaching their uh, employees behind the scenes. They have a new uh, new program out and it's it's about diversity and inclusion. Disney recommending that all employees atone for all of this uh, their, uh, white supremacist uh, uh, systemic nature by challenging colorblind ideologies and rhetoric such as all lives matter and I don't see color. You must listen with empathy to black colleagues and not question or debate black colleagues colleagues lived experience so now colorblind that's the that's the enemy now what you always thought was racism is now the thing you're supposed to do what you always thought was the opposite of racism is now the thing that is the enemy another module of this program called what can i do about racism disney tells employees that they should reject equality reject equality with a focus on equal treatment and access to opportunities and instead strive for equity with a focus on the equality of outcome training also includes a series of lessons on implicit biases uh microaggressions becoming an anti-racist all of this crazy nonsense that leads to discrimination against other groups just changing the target from what people used to do back in the day that we all were all trying to turn around We're going to have Christopher Rufo, the guy who uncovered this on the show later this week. This is a massive problem, and it's everywhere. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Let me talk about Built Bar and Stu. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. you've seen the changes in my uh, svelteness uh, Mm. since I've been starting to eat uh, Built Bars. Not as much of an improvement as I was hoping for. Well, um, well, you can't eat 14 of them at at each sitting. I think that's the issue you're having. I know you like Nowhere on the label does it say that. I will say that's true. I don't think it does say yeah, that. It does not say se. that. It does not say. It says, uh, you know, it says that it, it's good for you. It's and healthy. It it's got protein. It is. It's uh, it's keto friendly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Keto diet. It is. Um, and uh, and it has like three net carbs. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's not uh, true. The, but you, if you eat uh-huh. ten of them, then you have thirty net carbs. Do you understand how this works? You have to kind of keep. Not really. You'll have to explain that to me. Uh, I'm in the middle of eating another real chocolate built bar mm. uh good for you good healthy food can they say help you lose weight i i, I haven't seen it uh, order a box or seven now at builtbar.com use the promo code beck 15 and you'll save 15 percent of your first order beck 15 builtbar.com
Hey, uh, Stu, I, I don't know if you saw this, um, but the president and his cabinet has made some changes uh, regarding guns. Just some minor tweaks here and there that don't really have to be discussed. It's not a big deal. Hmm. They're just changing the definition of, of guns. Uh, and uh, it's not even worth mentioning, quite frankly. Oh, also... Uh, Glock wins and Biden loses in a major liability suit against the gun manufacturers. We have that and your safety coming up in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. So Warren Buffett's company, Berkshire Hathaway, owns Clayton Homes. That's the largest builder of manufactured housing in the U.S., Buffett said that that Berkshire is seeing very substantial inflation and they're raising prices of the homes. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, Warren Buffett seems to be accurate a lot of the time. And he's saying that inflation is here and it's here now. What's funny is he doesn't have to go to a grocery store to figure that out. Now, maybe in Omaha, he's still doing the shopping for the wife and kids, but I doubt it. The worst part is that nobody's really questioning us. We're all just accepting the idea that inflation is transitory. No, it it usually comes and then massive dramatic things happen, including revolutions uh, burning down the economy. And then it does. It does. It does go away eventually. You understand? Yeah. Anyway, um, may I suggest now might be the time to hedge your portfolio just a little bit. Gold is a time-tested investment that can hold its own in periods of inflation, even when it's just transitory hyperinflation. If you want to protect yourself and your family, call Goldline today. They're offering a special on their graded $5 Liberty Coins. These are the coins that I buy. They are authenticated for their weight and purity. Independent grading agencies handle all of that. Uh, that way you know that they're not you know, counterfeit coins from overseas. Also, you can call Goldline to find out about their special limited time offer on this product. Again, these are the ones. These are historic coins. These are the ones that I have or had until that tragic fishing accident, Stu. Did I tell you about that? I lost all my guns and the gold that I was saving. So common. Such a common story. Mm -hmm. And I was somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic. You don't know where? Yeah. I don't. That's that's a big place. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's near where the same thing, because the same thing happened to me. I wonder if it's a similar. Really? It could be a a weather phenomenon in that particular area of the Atlantic. I I also had all my food storage uh, lost. I had all of my food storage all of the any liberty coins you know that i mm. i got and all my uh, my guns i haven't reported it yet but i should we should we should be fair you ate your your food storage uh 866 goldline is the number call them now 866 goldline or goldline.com sure Well, I never thought the day would come when I would welcome Spencer Corson to the radio program. 
uh spencer is if you've ever been if you've ever been to any of our shows especially you know gosh who has a long how long has it been maybe 10 years ago uh you would see spencer uh spencer was the uh chief of my detail for security in the golden era of death threats and it was a (laughs) it was a special special time spencer welcome to the program mr beck great to see you sir yeah. Um, so you you started your own security group, Corson Security Group, uh, and uh, you're a threat management expert now. Uh, I can't be more pleased for your success. You you were. Uh, let me let me just say this <laughs> and see if you know. See if you can respond, Mister Spencer. Do you have a six? Remember the Go response? Fetch. Yes. And it was no Cheyenne. I don't have a six. Go fish. Uh, I thought you were going was, to say when we were all sitting around the table and I would just be like, boom, winning. <laughs> Every time a card got thrown down and that became yeah. the, uh, the mantra of the weekend, um, which I almost yeah. got fired for. Uh, <laughs> yes, I remember that. I do remember that. No, uh, you were with us uh, and the family and our kids. You don't even know this. Up at our ranch, we have, you know, we measure everybody. And the kids wanted me to put my height there and mom's height and everything on the doorframe. You are about a foot higher because <laughs> the kids said, I remember Mr. Spencer being so big and so tall. And I'm like, he was shorter than me. And they're like, no, he wasn't, Dad. No, he wasn't. So you are up on our, our doorframe. Anyway, it, you've, you've uh, written a book called The Safety Trap. And I wanted to have you on because I think it's really important uh, that people understand, I mean, Spencer, we have had uh, an incredible time. You know that we still have great security. We have had, uh, we've had a home invasion. We have had an um, IT attack on us. We've had all kinds of stuff uh, happen to us. And you know us. We are really prepared and really secure. But I think that goes to what you're talking about called the safety trap well I, I and i can't agree with you more i mean as as seriously as you take your security i i you know i take my own security very seriously yeah and i had an attempted home invasion in my house on monday really one o'clock in the morning <laughs> it's a terrible idea you don't invade spencer's it was house wrong house i know i know but went to bed around midnight 1 10 a.m uh, i have a service dog just goes from zero to hero. And I look over and I see that my motion lights are turned on outside. My alert notifications on my security system are going into overdrive. Ronan is just like begging me to let him through the door. I check the security feed. I see that there's a bad guy trying to get in through my back fence. Um, I let Ronan out the back. I grab the shotgun and go out the front. And I was like five seconds too slow. (laughs) And... (laughs) <laughs> and the guy got away. But uh, made a report, they wound up catching the guy about a half a mile down the road. Because he was so, mm. break, trying to break into other houses on the street, too. Yeah, right? so the next morning, of course, all the neighbors start talking, and yeah. he had attempted to get into the apartment complex, which is to the left of me, hit my house, hit the house next to me, hit their, their neighbor's house, and we all just, you know, I got immediately on the phone right after I cleared the, cleared the property and was like, 5'10", gray shorts, black shirt, tan cap, red backpack. And he had obviously known what we, what security, like I always talk about how you want to just like, you know, 
present yourself as having a strong protective posture, you know, to sort of make that a, a deterrent factor, which is the first level of, of, of deterrence. And, and some people take that as just putting the sign in their yard <laughs> with nothing else. And the problem with like, that is that 85% of home invasions is because the guy can just walk through the front door because it's unlocked. <laughs> and on the security cameras, you see the brazenness of this. He, see, he knows that I have the lights, and knows, so he puts the, like, his arm up to cover his face, but has no problem just trying the front door to see if he can just walk right in. Jeez. Wow. Just, wow. you know, drug-seeking behavior was looking for to raid a medicine. And that's, you know, that's the thing. You have to be really careful because people who come do, you know, during the day are typically coming for your stuff, but people who come at night, good chance they're coming for you. So you really right, need to be of the mindset that you're willing to participate in your own protection. That's the one thing that I learned from you and, and others is that robbers don't want to meet you just as much as you don't want to meet them. They come when the house is empty. They right. don't do it at night like you see in the movies. Generally speaking, they do it during the day. Somebody comes to your house at night. They got a problem. You know, they're either a yeah. drug person that's desperate or they do want to harm you or they're. They're doing something more than stealing your stuff, generally speaking. Right. Of course, there's always exceptions to every rule. But yeah, more often than not. And especially and when they don't come through the front door, which I think this guy was trying to do is by coming in through the back, is if you hear, if your neighbors hear one loud crash, they're probably going to go, oh, well, that was strange. But if they hear a second loud crash, then they may investigate. But if your front door is open or if it's a, a weak door that they can just get in with one quick kick or you know, just one break of a window... You know, you cannot expect your neighbors to be willing to protect you any more than you are overly willing to protect your neighbors. Yes, we all have a neighborly responsibility to look out for one another, but we no longer live in a world where we can simply hope that nothing will happen and then solely rely on the first responders to save us once something does. That is something that came actually out of the Carter administration. He's the one that started calling police and fire first responders. We never thought of it that way. Up until Carter, we all believed we were the first responders. Yes. And that, that change alone has changed our, our society. So talk to me about the, the paradox of the safety trap. So the, safety, the trap, safety trap, the safety trap is a, a turn of phrase that I came up with a few years ago to explain to my clients the false sense of security that tends to hide behind our, our own outlook when our fear has been abated, but risk remains. So if we take a, a, a school shooting, for example, tragic event happens, there's this rush to that we have to do something, the politicians you know, say we're going to we're going to ban guns, and you know, uh, public safety officials say we need to do something about mental health. But then, you know, nothing really happens. The news cycle moves on. The fear has abated, but the risk is still there. We have done absolutely nothing to, you know, maybe we'll do some things that will help to mitigate that risk once it has been realized. But we don't do anything. We don't put any kind of like preventative countermeasures in place to prevent that bad thing from happening. And that is the very essence of the safety trap. We are sometimes the most at danger when we feel the most safe, because when we have just a little bit of fear, or when we're a little bit hesitant, or we're a little bit aware, we have our guard up, we're looking around, we're present, we're very much in the moment. But then, you know, things, things go on, nothing else happens, and we have this, this, this swinging of the pendulum between hyperplacency and, and vigilance hyper complacency 
and vigilant. And everyday safety is really about finding that happy middle, a healthy sense of skepticism, a moderate dose of vigilance. Very simple strategy. You know, I have a story that probably very few can relate to, but I tell it for a reason, uh, because you don't appreciate the skills that you actually have, these warning signals, these things in you that you you will see without without recognizing that you're not consciously looking or listening for things you just notice things and that gives you that sense of i should be a little hesitant when you were the head of uh, my detail i had gotten so used to and i think we may have talked about this i got so used to always 24 7 having protection with me and usually it was more than one guy in the bad times it was a lot of people and uh and so i just knew that i was safe no matter where i was and or at least i felt that way and i lost those skills and i remember distinctly maybe 10 years ago the first time i went out again just by myself just to go to the store spencer i was so freaked out because i didn't have that natural ability anymore i mean it came back but it was so foreign to me, I was paranoid about everything. It's, it's this weird balance of still sensing the danger, but not living in fear. Does that make sense? It, it, no, it absolutely does make sense. And I think this is a, a very similar frame. And I, and I use a couple, I cite a couple examples in the book. One, the way I structured the book was I identified these like 16 quote unquote safety traps that all of my clients throughout the years kept falling into, whether that be complacency, whether that be avoidance, whether that be false equivalence. And what it really always comes down to is everything in our normal everyday life, like most of us are never going to experience a, a terror attack or be in an active shooter situation or, mm -hmm. or experience a home invasion or, or any other like horrific incident. But that doesn't mean that the risks aren't real. One of the things my global experience has, has always shown me is that there are always pre-incident indicators. There are always warning signs that come before the bad thing happens. And staying safe is about training ourselves to see them. When we drive our cars, we are looking for the person who's flying up behind us. We're looking for the person who's erratically changing lanes. We're looking for the person that may... We, you know, in, in leadership, they always talk about like anticipating the needs of others. Safety is about mm -hmm. anticipating the idiocy of others. <laughs> is this person going to like, and if we mm -hmm. could just like apply those same um, safety defense strategies that we employ when we're driving to our everyday life, we would have that ability to notice, hey, you know, this person... Even when I was on your security detail and we had all of the advanced teams and the overwatch and the counter surveillance and everything, you would still very often come up to me and be like, something just doesn't feel right about this route. Something, yes. And all of that, and we would absolutely take that into our, into our route planning yes. or our threat matrix or whatever, because you not negotiating against your own survival instincts allowed us to keep you safe. Yeah. Um, Spencer, I thank you for all of the years of service that you gave my family uh, and kept us safe in some really terribly frightening situations at times. 
Um, thank you for that. I, I want to come back because I want to ask you some questions because the world has changed. And um, you talk about, in the book, you talk about uh, don't necessarily go where everybody tells you to go. And that is advice that my uncle, who used to do uh, civil defense research back in the 60s and 50s uh, with nuclear stuff, that's the first thing he said to me when I moved to New York City. If anything happens, don't gather where they tell you to gather. And I want you to kind of explain, because the world has changed so much, how do we, how do we prepare for things that could happen in the future? We'll do that in 60 seconds. Stand by. All right. The designers over at Hustler Turf. I don't know how they stay modest. I, I When they make the best version of a product on the market, I mean, it would be hard to get up every morning and go, yep, I'm just like the other guys who are making that uh, lawnmower that doesn't last and doesn't cut like mine. Uh, deck sizes as small as 34 inches, which can fit through most residential gates, all the way up to 104 inches. They have the perfect size for whatever you need. You're, you're cutting a football field. Yes, the 104-inch uh, deck will cut a football field in 10 minutes. Okay, so you're going to get a 30. How fast are you going to cut your lawn? I mean, it is, it's going to shave off the time for you to cut your lawn in unbelievable ways. Right now, the latest and greatest from Hustler Turf is their new 2021 Raptor Series, built for homeowners with less than three acres. It's the Raptor Series. Find the Hustler dealership around you and take a hassle-free test drive. You're going to love it. The Rapture Series, new for 2021. You'll find it at a Hustler dealer near you. Find one. They have thousands nationwide. HustlerTurf.com. HustlerTurf.com. 10 seconds. Station ID. So the, the, the two things, Spencer, I want to talk to you about is why is it in the book, you, you answer the question, why is it so many emergency response plans do more harm than good? And why is run, hide, fight such a bad idea? Those are both things that we're told we have to pay attention to. And you're saying, nah, -uh, yeah, bad ideas, that, horrible ideas. Okay. So on the evacuation protocols why you don't want to go where everyone else is going okay let's say that um one of the reasons okay let's just uh, accept the premise that everyone who calls in a bomb threat d d is there's no bomb because okay to get the components for that bomb to build it to construct it to then breach security sure. to get it in place to do why are you going to sabotage your success but what you do have readily available is where is that evacuation zone Mm. Yeah. Right? And that's typically outside of the security zone. So I can put it and I can go on. I can put in hashtag fire drill or hashtag uh, bomb threat. And I can see on social media where everyone's gathering points are. Mm. I can very easily put an explosive device there. Now, if there is a real. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just I was just going to say this. I, I think they did this in Beslan. If you remember they did that. Beslan, there's a, a movie called uh, The Kingdom where they, they put a, a small uh, diversionary explosive device inside mm -hmm. a building to get everyone to the evacuation point, and then that's where the real, the real bomb goes off. Because schools, buildings, office places are all these like interconnected, compartmentalized pockets of protection. And then you give yes. all of those up to 
you know, to all move to one centralized Area. collective. Well, oh, we're all going to go to the parking lot. We're all going to go to the bleachers. Horrible idea. <laughs> right. if, there's an, if, if there's ever a fire drill or an evacuation drone, or even if it's just a rehearsal, go anywhere else than where they're telling you to go. Go to Starbucks. Go home. If, if, the, if the crisis is so severe that they had to stop what they were doing and get everyone out, they have bigger problems than getting you back in. Go just participate in your own protection, be disagreeable, and go away. And this gets us to the run-hide-fight thing. The run-hide-fight... Okay, hang fight- on, because I've, I've, I've got about 30 seconds here, and I don't want to cut you off on sure. this, because I think... This is important with, you know, the number of shooters that we have had, the murderers that come in. And uh, we had another shooting, I think, on a, on an Air Force Bay or a, uh, I think it was at Fort Bragg this weekend. I'm not sure. Um, and run, hide, fight is what everybody preaches. Spencer says that's Marvel. not the right way to go. Uh, Spencer Corson, it is The Safety Trap, a new book available out uh, this week, The Safety Trap. More in just a second. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right, so the United States uh, was under attack, looks like from Russia, uh, this last Friday. You're not going to hear this talked about this way, but uh, Putin is attacking us. Uh, and he attacked our our what's called the jugular of our eastern uh, uh, fuel source. All of Eastern America now is lost about fifty percent of their fuel because of a cyber attack. Cyber attacks are real; they're becoming more frequent, and they are state sponsored. Um, you don't want to come under a cyber attack. You don't want to meet a cyber criminal. You don't want. You want to make sure you're as protected as you possibly can be. And knowing that somebody is going to get through at some point or another, that's why when LifeLock has the restoration specialist, the whole team dedicated to, in case something happens, they're going to help clean it up. That's what's happening right now with Colonial Pipeline. Uh, I hope they have somebody as good as LifeLock to help clean it up. LifeLock.com. Use the promo code BECK for 25% off. LifeLock.com. The book is out now. It's The Safety Trap, a security expert's secrets for staying safe in a dangerous world. Spencer Corson is the author. We'll have more with him coming up. Spencer Corson is a threat management expert, founder of Corson Security Group, and uh, probably the least impressive part of his resume, he was the head of my security detail for about 10 years. He is the author of The Safety Trap. It's a new book, comes out uh, soon. You can get it on Amazon or wherever you uh, purchase books. It's called The Safety Trap. I highly recommend it, Um, uh, not only because uh, he's a friend, um, and I'd like to see him sell a lot of books. More importantly, he is the guy who protected my family and um, many times in very frightening situations, uh, saved my family. And uh, so I not only wish him well, but I know he has a lot to teach because I learned a lot from you, Spencer. Thank you, sir. And uh, as you're going through the book, I hope you won't sue me if you can pick out those times that those stories um, are definitely not about you. <laughs> are definitely not about me. Yeah, because you got a, I got a serious lawsuit. I have a serious lawsuit. Uh, so you use us as examples kind of disguised? I think that 
if someone knows, I think that you will be able to determine where I'm talking about you. Huh. Oh, now is I want it to do a, a good search. way or is like I had this I think client. You'll be able what to, a do, dope. to uh, as you're going through the book, figure out the times. <laughs> um, All right. We no, were, obviously, we obviously, just, we uh, full confidentiality and legal review, and you, your lawyers no, and my no, lawyers, of course, had their back and forth. But of course, uh, yeah. But yeah. I think, yeah. Um, we were just before the break. We were talking about the idea of run, hide, fight, yes. and you say that's a bad idea. It, it, it is a horrible idea. So the 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 original premise of run, hide, fight was uh, what they taught pilots in SEER school. So survive, evade, resist, escape. Pilot gets captured by mistaken POW. He gets the chance to escape. He's going to run as far away from the enemy as he can. If he gets too tired or, or you know, is injured, he's going to hide until he can get his strength back. And then if he's going to start running again, and if the enemy should ca- catch up to him, he's going to fight that enemy life. His life depends on it because it absolutely will. Mm-hmm. So then you have uh, Sandy Hook, you have Columbine, you have all, all of these tragedies. And this cottage industry starts coming up of run, hide, fight, which is great on an individual level but is a horrible uh, protocol for a collective because what it has now been uh, reduced to is run to your hiding spot. And anyone who has ever played T-ball or has played baseball, which is harder to hit, the ball that is coming across the plate at 90 miles an hour or the ball that is sitting stationary on a tee? Mm. It is, I would say both equally for me, both, e- <laughs> both equally. But Athleticism boy, being me. a constant. <laughs> yeah. But... In, in standard safety, if the threat is inside your house, you want to get outside the house. If the, if the threat is outside your house, you want to barricade yourself inside the house. What has happened is that there's, there's this wide divide between survivability and accountability. If someone was to break in here right now, I would try to, I would try to take that guy down while all, all of you got as far away from here as possible because the hardest thing to hit is someone that is taking... Is time is increasing time and distance, putting as many steps between you and the bad guy as possible, and getting and getting farther and farther away with each step you take. Schools have have just basically want schools and and police aligned authors of these security programs want everyone to be compartmentalized, want everyone to be contained because now they're containing the threat. A lot of people have this misconception that the police are there for your personal safety. They're not. They're there for the public safety. And in the interest of the collective safety, keeping that threat contained is better for them because now we don't have to worry about where else he's going. So I always urge clients, families, teachers, parents, students, if you ever are in a situation where there is a a known threat inside the building, get outside that building as quickly as you possibly can. But this is different... That because you were the one who designed my first safe room when we had to have one in Connecticut. Yes. Um, and the idea was get all of the children in there and you and stay in there. So it's different if it's, you're talking about, you know, you have a, a, a some sort of a safe room where nobody can get in, at least for residential security, where that was one small part of an overarching, very comprehensive security program. Yes. You know what I mean? We had multiple levels of concentric rings yes. of security. 
from yes. the outerness of the, of the property to yeah. the to the immediate access to the to the compound, to the driveway, to the house, to inside the front door, and then yeah. more so inside. So if it got to the point where multiple things were breached and all of us were dead, the safest place for your family to be was in that safe room until the police could get there. We were buying you the time for a police response. Right. That is completely right. different from a school or a movie theater or a mall or a shopping center, which may have all of those uh, false senses of security because you see the, the cameras and you see the guard and you see the, all the domes mm-hmm. up in the, in the ceiling. But all of those things are there to protect the products. They are not there to protect you. So if you are in a situation where your life is on the line, you are your own authority. And I will tell you right now, if it's a, a matter of life and death is not a game of hide and seek. Mm. You would not hide from a fire in a building and hope the fire doesn't find you. But an active shooter is just as unpredictable and just as violent as a fire. So would you hide from a fire or would you run? I recommend you run. Do you? So that is first because it is, uh, it's hide. What is it? Hide, run, run, run hide, hide, fight. Run, hide, fight. But your, yes. your point, um, your, your distinction here is you're not running to a place to hide, which is how it's being interpreted. Correct. It, you don't want to run to a place to hide. Out. You want to run, get the hell out of there no matter you what. Run, yeah. I would love to see schools put, it is, I would much rather schools invest in threat management programs and start helping those who are hurting, who, and especially now with like all, so schools have finite budgets. Okay. And so that means that. Not all, now. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see (laughs) but all of the money that typically would go to security programs has now been shifted to to covid protocols right Mm -hmm. okay so none of that money is going to counseling none of that money is going to mental health and one of the reasons we're seeing such a rise in active shooter engagements and uh, domestic violence and child abuse is because one of the of the after effects of a year long spent in in this pandemic is isolation has been solitude, and that has had a catastrophic impact on those with mental illness. And I'm not talking about, you know, people like me who are in therapy. I'm talking about those who are have serious mental illness. Whoa, whoa, that, whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. Hey, you're in therapy. Oh, I've been Why don't you talk about that for a better part just, of six months now? It's been great. How hmm. do you feel about that? Love it. Tell me, uh, tell me, tell me about your mom. What well, happened? Well, I was mom? born at an interview. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so wait a minute. Are you? Are you? I don't want to use the word predicting, but are you warning that we may have more shootings? uh, What I am saying is that if you are expecting your school to be able to save your child, you are putting your child more at risk. My parents were both teachers. They were brilliant educators. They were not trained protectors. I am. And I'm telling you right now, when you go to a, a... a movie theater, or you go to a ball game, and that you see the guy in the security windbreak, and you ask him where your where your seat is, and he says it's over there. You can trust that, but would you trust that same person in a mass casualty event? No, exactly. You taught me one thing, uh, and I thought it was really fascinating because, you know, at first you guys uh, could uh, uh, couldn't carry guns in New York Not because in New York City, right? you. In New York City, you, they no guns, and they do it for a reason. They're doing it for the pension of the police officers. Yes. And if you hire a police officer, then you have a gun. 
uh, and you'd never wanted to do that. And you, you said, because it's the opposite kind of training. Do you remember this? Completely different. If you have, if you and are, it's, it kind of relates to this yes. is what you're saying. Yes. Go ahead. First off, uh, if you are a, a, if you are, so when I was in the army, I was an assaulter. I was a shooter. It was my job to initiate a violence of action on a known target for God and country. As a protector, my job is to cover and evacuate my principal off the X. So if I have time to draw, aim, and fire, I have time to, to cover and evacuate you. My job is not to be in a gunfight. When you saw Ronald Reagan coming out of uh, the Hinckley Hilton mm-hmm. and John Hinckley shot him and he got off six shots, how many shots did the Secret Service get off? Zero. Mm. Because their job was to protect the president, to put themselves between a bullet and a target and get that president to safety. Firearms are on a, on a list of protective. Now, it's, a firearm would be different for, say, like a home invasion where it's a known target and you have assets in place where you can see mm-hmm. how they're coming in like, like I did on Monday. But, you know, the, the number one argument against uh, using a handgun for self-defense is to watch the everyday citizen try to take a selfie of a celebrity using their cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> a great point. Okay. Cuz they're like, oh, oh my it gosh, is. Mr. Back, Mr. Back. Can I, can, can, uh. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now the average person right. can take a photo of their breakfast with with, you know, photographic expertise that be worthy <laughs> of framing in the MoMA. But, you know, have Taylor Swift walk into the room and be like, "Ah." ah. Now that's imagine true. that's a handgun. And tell me that person can can, you know, do the, and the, do and the, the same thing. The the police are more like the military. They are to go in and get the guy. The they job are of the police there. is to police. Yeah. Public They're not safety. there, right, to evacuate the kids. I mean, they will help with that, et cetera, et cetera. But their primary job in those situations is to get the bad guy. Yeah. Where at- a defender is someone who says, get out, get away from the bad guy. Yeah. And what's the, like, watch any, any, like, crime TV show. What's the first thing you hear the detectives talking about is, like, how much they're yelling at the cops in uniform not to mess things up. Like, your job is to secure the scene. Then the, then mm-hmm. the detectives will come in and, and, you know, interpret what's what and what's relevant and what, who can go and who needs to stay and who needs to be interviewed. They're the ones that solve the case. But to expect, and don't get me wrong, I am not knocking police officers. I love the police. I am oh, a yeah. supporter of the police. I am very pro-police. But no, I would no. not expect, you know, the, my local firemen to change my oil. It's not their job. I, you would not. Yeah. You, so, and therefore, you can't expect. It's just different you, training. It's completely yeah. different training. Just different training. Spencer, thank you so much. Um, Sir, this was a true I pleasure. Will, uh, thank you. I will tell you that uh, we talk about you often. Uh, still, after these years, uh, the children remember you fondly. You were a, uh, a great impact on their life and a uh, real impact on mine and i as I were you on appreciate mine, everything you thank, did. You. thank you thank <clears throat> you spencer corson the the he's the author of the book the safety trap uh you can pick it up anywhere the safety trap get it now linda lives in texas and she was living with a ton of pain for a really long time the biggest thing was her knee which was this was swelled up so much of the time, and it constantly hurt when, when she would try to walk. 
She also had frequent pain in her legs and her back, especially bad at night. It would keep her awake all hours in the morning. She felt like she had lost control of her life. She was starting to just drag into despair. Then she heard about a product called Relief Factor on the radio. She decided to give it a try. She tried a lot of the things over the years. None of them really had done that much for her. Within just a few weeks, to her utter astonishment, she says all of her pain was gone completely. Linda, I'm so happy for you. She got her life back. And so can you. Just try Relief Factor. It's not a drug, but it was developed by doctors. 70% of the people who try it go on to order more. You can order the three-week quick start for only nineteen ninety-five. It's relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. It's relieffactor.com. 888-727-BECK. Is the Glenn Beck program. Glad you're here. I want to uh, leave you this. This is from a, a local news report, Fox 12 in Portland, Oregon. They were talking to a guy named Joe Hall, who had just been injured by Antifa. Listen. Joe Hall has a long recovery ahead of him. Partially collapsed left lung, two um, lower vertebrae uh, fractured. That's on top of five broken ribs, a broken collarbone, and head trauma. I stood my ground, and I would do it all over again. Hall, a local handyman, says he was trying to defend himself after getting stopped in his pickup by a crowd in the street and other vehicles along North Alberta near Michigan Avenue. All of a sudden, this you know these agitators come out, screaming, pounding on my truck. He said he tried to go around the group, but stopped and got out of his car after he thought he hit something. By this time, I've got mm. five people surrounding my vehicle, AR-15s, AK-47s. Hall said people in the crowd were calling him derogatory names and pointing guns at him. While his door was open, Hall told me someone took his keys and his less lethal firearm, so he grabbed his pistol. I pulled my 38 out of my right pocket and pointed it at the ground and told them if a weapon points at me again, I will shoot to eliminate the threat. Shortly after that, Hall said someone tackled him to the ground and took his gun. Videos posted to social media showing the event unfolding with posters praising the crowd's disarming of the man. A neighbor telling Jeez. me she saw part of the scuffle from her window. It looked like he was face down and then the people were kneeling on top of him. I was in fear of my life. Hall wonders why Portland police didn't intervene. More 911 calls were made from other intersections Thursday, including Interstate Avenue and Killingsworth, where a driver reported a crowd smashed out their back window and slashed their tires. For Hall, this was the last straw. I, I'm done. I'm done working in Portland. You know, I'm shutting my business down, and I'm probably not going to be coming back. It's uh, quite amazing what's going on. The biggest threat to our democracy, our republic, since the Civil War. Oh, tomorrow, I tell you what's happening to those prisoners from January 6th. Don't miss a second of tomorrow's episode. Stay safe. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Your dog is part of the family. 
At Rough Greens, we know that dogs need live nutrition just like we do. There's just one problem. For dog food to last, it needs to be shelf stable. And that means it has no live nutrients. The result is your dog's food is dead food. 